Welcome to another episode on See You on the Court podcast. Joining me this week is Coach Jonathan Avery. He is the head coach of the 2022 Indy Heat team. Coach Avery comes on the podcast to discuss basketball, social media, the pros and cons of social media, and how he's been able to adapt during uh, this pandemic and COVID-19. We also talk about his collegiate career and the few countries that he's played overseas. Really dope conversation, you guys, very in-depth. Um, check out the visual to this YouTube channel and the link below. I will have it in the episode description. And guys, do not forget to hit subscribe and leave a review. Take care. Yeah, Coach, why do why you think that the older generation kind of hustle like backwards in a way where you see these young these young cats on the grind right now? I, I just think they don't necessarily understand the value of social media. They don't get it. Like the older generation, like, yeah, they got a Twitter and yeah, they got a Facebook, but they don't know how that is an investment for whatever they're doing, whether it be athletics, music, or any, I don't think they quite understand the reach it has. Right. Uh, so I think that's part of the disconnect there when it comes down to the whole social media. I don't think they just necessarily understand. What have you learned from it by obviously you adapting? Because you played overseas a while ago, and social media wasn't as big when you was hooping overseas as it is now. I mean, even when I came back from playing overseas, I, um, I was training for a while here, uh, and it was like, I created the page for it, and all of a sudden, I was connecting with people an hour, uh, 45 minutes away from Indianapolis, where it was just like, I wouldn't have ever met them had I not created just a simple Instagram page and right. put up training stuff. Yeah, it's like you you coach a lot of high-profile players, just from their right. social media um, like, how is it coaching, like, Indy Heat 2022 and all those guys are being recruited and everybody has their eye on them? It's unique in a way. I mean, because I've I've had this team since they were in eighth grade now. Not everybody that was on that team is still on the current roster. Um, so it's changed a lot of different personalities. But this team specifically, uh, the thing that helps them is that they all have uh, – parents that keep them kind of like rooted and grounded that's dope uh so that helps a lot um not too many because i mean really when you coach in a team of this caliber you really got to manage personalities right uh but it helps because their parents are like so locked in on it and like no if he's doing something you have all rights to handle it however you want to handle it and then i'm gonna handle it too be like Parents, for me, I've heard, you know, talking to different coaches because I'm on the social media end, they talk about how disgruntled the parents can be. Have yeah. you had a, a case where you had to tell a parent, like, hey, like, I'm in the business of winning. Like, I get why you're upset, but, but how do you handle that conflict with a parent? For me, like, it's crazy because you do have those situations, and I just try to explain to them because – I don't have a dog in a hunt. Not any kid on my roster is related to me. I didn't know them prior to basketball. So my main thing is I want them to be in a better situation. Uh, and I want better for them than what I have for myself. And I think I had it good. So when it comes down to that, it's just 
trust the process, understand what you're getting yourself into, specifically with Indy Heat, you knew what you were getting into when you came over here. Uh, you, you knew you were probably going to be on the best platform there is. Um, we didn't play EYBL this year, but I still could say we probably had the biggest platform of any other AAU team in the country this year. Uh, so I tried to explain to them those benefits and try to kind of save them from themselves because, to be honest, like, you know, like, I know you've been around long enough. Absolutely. A toxic family could be like, no, we're good on them. I don't care how good the talent is. We're okay. Absolutely. Um, how do you like? How do you assemble like your team in a way where like they all play together? Like I watched you guys that weekend at the showcase for the very first time, and everyone played really unselfishly. You guys have limited practice, so how do you like? How did you get the guys just to buy in? Well, for me, I thought it was really big for us um, when we first created the roster. We were supposed to have Paul McMillan as our point guard out of Cincinnati, who's tremendous. Uh, but due to COVID situations, he wasn't able to come. And uh, we had always wanted – well, I had always wanted Tayshaun Comer as well. Um, so then – yeah, so we were able to get him. And I think that really, like, started everybody because now it's putting everybody in their natural positions uh, for them to really succeed. And uh, when I talked to the guys, I said – I had a conversation with them uh, because we try to meet before a game, and I and I had a conversation with them before our first game, just letting them know, like, college coaches want to see you. They already have you projected at where they think you could play at when you right. come here, whether it be they think you're a scorer, they think you're going to be a rim protector, whatever it is. So I didn't – I wasn't hesitant with letting them know what I felt like, right. you know, translates to college form. Um, so for that, it, it kind of helped. You know, uh, us having that point guard and then having guys who are really mature. And then it helps that most of them have some kind of relationship outside of AAU, whether it be they're from Indianapolis and grew up together or uh, Fletcher just trans transferred in to play at Homestead with Andrew Leeper. Right. Uh, Peter Moe and Tayshawn play together. CJ and Tay, they train together. So it's a lot easier to trust a guy. Yeah, I don't know you a lot, but I know enough about you to where I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to make that selfish play that I would normally make because I know you. Absolutely. And for the parents, you know, that do listen and people who may not know you, how did you transition to coaching? Because you was a former D1 athlete, former professional basketball player. So how did your coaching journey start? Yeah, so actually when I got done playing, I was like 28 years old, and I was like, well, I need to, I don't know, probably get a job. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved back to Indianapolis and, and and started my professional career in terms of working and, and got a job. And then my friend, uh, Don Carlisle, who's now the head coach at Ben Davis, uh, he was coaching the AAU team, and he became the head coach at Arlington High School here. So uh, he brought me over to coach with him for two years, which is a tremendous experience, uh, kind of different than any other experience that I've ever had in my life. Um, and then with that, I started connecting with people. I coached AAU um, for like two, three years. I, I had like a club team for Indiana Elite. Um, and it was great because I developed relationships and really had to develop a lot of talent, help develop a lot of talent because – they don't treat the club teams the same as the other teams. So uh, really just honing in on that. And then a few years passed, and then I finally was able to um, 
I went over to Rebuff Jesuit with Todd Howard, who was my assistant coach at IUPUI, and he took over as head coach at IUPUI for a few years, and then now he's at Rebuff. So for me, it was like, I always felt like he was a basketball genius, like just a complete junkie. Uh, and he and I had always had a great relationship. So we hit it off there. And then uh, I was running a workout for one of my friends and Todd and Jared came down and they saw the workout and we started talking. And then it was like, hey, we got a team. You want to coach this team? I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Jared and Todd, they're, they're good people. They... They give you the resources and it's up to you to maximize that opportunity that they give you um, so they can have that trust. And what I saw in you guys do was unbelievable. And for right. me to hear the story on how you became with Jim Rats, with Todd and, and Jared, everyone knows like it's organic. You know what I mean? The relationship right. that everyone has within Jim Rats. Um, what countries did you play in? Like, I want to know that. I'm pretty sure a lot of people want to know as well. Yeah. So like, just to you know fast forward a little bit on my professional career like coming out of IUPUI I was good I mean I averaged 10 points I ended up scoring over a thousand points 500 plus rebounds um, yeah <laughs> yeah just a little bit uh, <laughs> but still there you know trying to come out uh, like you and I were talking the other day we were texting it was 2010 I was coming out the economy sucked uh, in terms of finding jobs overseas. And my numbers, to be honest, weren't the best. I didn't shoot threes and stuff like that. So it was just like, you know, what are you going to do? And I knew that before I get into coaching, I need to get all this basketball out of me because we've all seen that one guy who coaches who didn't get all the basketball out of him. No question. You could tell. Yeah, you could tell. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, that can't be me. Right. So, I mean, I played ABA, UBA. And then eventually I got my shot to go play in the lower lead in Chile. And I was like, I'm going, I don't care. It was yeah. like, well, we're going to give you such and such. I, I was like, I don't care. I don't have any overhead. I'm debt free. Like, let's go. Right. So I went over there and I tore that league up. And then um, I went to their top league there. So I was all in all, I was in Chile for like a full calendar year. Um, wow. And, and like I killed there. So I loved Chile. It was really good. Just, I was like, well, I got to get another opportunity. So then I played in like a league in Mexico for uh, about six months and that was cool. But my big break was when I went to uh, Lebanon. Man, um, Lebanon's nice. Oh, it was, it's beautiful. It was amazing. My, where they had me living was right off the beach and everything. So uh, I played over there for a year and, and that season was really great. Um, you know, I mean, we had pros over there. Whiteside was over there at the time. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, his team killed our team, but I gave his team buckets and talked the, crazy. The experience, too. though, is, is like when you connect with these kids, bro, you be like, dude, I, I did this. You know, right. what I mean? like I made money playing this game and I'm trying to help you get to right. your goals. Um, what's your thoughts about the EYBL? It's a premier league. Like when I came in is when you first got out of college. Yeah. And uh, it was me, like I said, just to name a few, Deshaun Thomas, Marcus T, uh, Rafael Davis, Yogi Ferrell. Like, we were loaded. But to play with, like, Marcus T and Deshaun Thomas in the EYBL was above my head at that time. So what's your thoughts uh, about the event? It's crazy. I mean, I graduated high school in 2005, and I played for All Ohio Red. Um, and, and years before us, like, 
it was Drew Lavender's class. He's two years older than me. They won the national championship. And I always played up an age group, and we always had chances down in Orlando at nationals and stuff. We never necessarily won that. But to see what it was there, because we would go from Peach Jam, then you would go to Orlando and stay there for, it felt like forever, but you'd be there for like 10 days. True. And then fast forward until when 2010, they start EYBL, and you're like, Oh, okay. That's nice. That's good. They kind of created a league. And then last year I go down there to Peach Jam and I'm like, whoa, this is a whole nother monster here. Um, I mean, yeah, you see the stats of this many NBA players are playing there, but okay, forget the guys who are in the NBA that play the EYBL. It's a guy that's going to Missouri. He's going to be there for four years and he is here and it's everything is way more difficult on the EYBL circuit in terms of because the talent is so high um, and and the guys, everybody is there competing crazy. College coaches on the sideline. It's, the atmosphere is absolutely nuts. Merchandise sells out within hours. Like, what, What's your experience like when you coach, you know, is like, do you feel like you actually on the court, but you see the cameras, the EYBL. Oh, yeah. Your favorite athletes or whoever superstars is watching, like, damn, I'm really out here. Yeah. No, and that's really what it is. It's like, okay, this is a – everybody's – right now, it's your turn. And as a coach, it's like, I feel like I'm playing. I leave those games like I got to go and take a shower. No, I can't go eat right now. I need to go take a shower, and then we can figure out after that. Um, it's insane. And then the preparation for it is, I mean – it's bar none what you have to do to get ready for these games scouting reports and how you have to literally go in depth on the scouting and it's great they do a great job with you know having stats available to you and having film available to you so it's just a whole nother monster when it comes down to that let's let's talk about obstacles uh briefly like what are some of those obstacles as a basketball player you face or as a coach and you was able to over overcome those obstacles yeah. So for me, I don't know. I mean, quite a few obstacles. You'll always have obstacles as a player. Right. The biggest thing was for me tr transitioning from um, life after basketball. I guess if that, if yeah. we could even go there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Uh, I mean, a lot of athletes now, I mean, your favorite player got so much going on off the floor, right? Yeah. And now you have those players that's like during COVID, all they know is the game. So like yeah. how do you do that's an obstacle now for us athletes. Like how do you deal Absolutely. with that? And it's so crazy, especially the longer you play, the more of an obstacle it becomes. Because I mean, if you're not going to the NBA, then nine times out of ten, you'll be in a situation where you're probably gonna have to go get a job later on, unless you like playing in those higher Euro leagues and things of that nature. But all of throughout your life, especially for me, I stopped at 28. It was like, oh, I no longer get this. Like, I have to go out and now at 28 become an adult. Uh, or I have to now go out and do that. So that was a huge obstacle for me, just really adjusting to everyday life. My fiance would tell you right now, like, she couldn't stand me that yeah. first year out because I had no idea what it is because what I went to school for is what I wanted to do and be when I was 21, 22. Now I'm 28 and I'm so far removed. Everybody's graduated that degree. It's uh, more difficult to even land a job in that field. So 
it was just like that was the biggest obstacle for me. But one thing that I, I did was I leaned on other guys who were in my situation, other former pro athletes, and I saw how they adjusted. Like I mentioned earlier, I coached with Don Carlisle at Arlington. And for me, that was therapeutic because he was similar to me. He played at IEPUI and then he played overseas for a lot of years. And then later on, he had to figure out what he was going to do in his career. So for me, it was like, okay, I was able to lean on him. And then I was able to stay close to the game by coaching, which allowed my transition to be a lot more easier than what it was because at first I didn't know what I was going to do. Sure. Uh, just trying to figure out life. Yeah. No. No, I, I think that's dope that you share that because like a lot of athletes, especially those that play in Europe, you know, and they expect to get a job in August or this upcoming month, September, they're dealing with mental health right now. You know what I mean? A yeah. lot of people laying low who you used to seeing on social media and, and they ghost right now. And it's and, and I, when you're an athlete and you've been an athlete, you know why you haven't heard from them. It's a right <laughs> time and it's like you get those goosebumps and it's just like, I got to rely on my peers now. Exactly. Exactly. You get so, I mean, like you said, like they don't post as much on social media as they were shirts, you know what I mean? Shirts off in the gym, right. making a thousand threes. Like, no, you're not posting that right now because you don't even want that to, that question to be presented to you. Like, where are you going next? Yeah. Because you don't want to have to try to find your way through that conversation. It's an uncomfortable conversation that most brothers you know, ancestors have to have now in this era right now. Right. Because it's so crazy. Instagram, it's, it's different. That's you, you control what you post, but you have that person that's posting, but going through mental health issues just to provide for their followers. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and you, and you know, like I know, I mean, like you, yeah, you do make good money over there. If you're not doing the right things with your money, you get to August now, you're like, oh, what am I going to yeah. do now? <laughs> I mean, it's tough. I mean, I have many peers live check to check that will get that first check and feel like they're on. But it's like, dude, you, you have to save, especially when you're grinding in Europe, because they already don't want to pay you. Right. Especially COVID now. They, they lowballing us heavy. So it's like staying optimistic, staying ready. But we're blessed to have a team and people that we could count on to, hey, help me get over this hurdle. Right. So I think that's really dope. Last question, who was the people that shaped you, bro, to be the person you are today? I mean, obviously, my my parents, uh, a tremendous uh, set of parents. My mother um, is amazing. And then my father, who is actually, not a lot of people would know, I mean, he's my stepfather, but he's been my father. He's all I've known since, what, six, seven years old. Uh, I think that's when they got married. I could be completely wrong, but um, he's literally all I've known. He's never done anything different. Uh, I saw the way he sacrificed literally everything for me, and I'm not necessarily his bloodline, but he treated me that way. And even coming out of school, didn't necessarily have the grades, and we were juggling between junior college or prep school and he did all the research on it and made sure that we found the perfect fit for me and, and going prep. And there's not a day that I don't count on him for some kind of advice, some way to transition through everything. Um, and then my late grandfather, um, who was absolutely amazing, uh, always like, no, you can do it. You got it done. Um, but, and then in terms of like the coaching field, um, 
I was blessed to play for arguably, I think, the best high school coach in the state of Ohio. His name's Greg Collins. He's won everywhere he's went. He's turned programs around. Um, and then, you know, move on to my coaches at IUPUI, the whole staff from Ron Hunter, Todd Howard, uh, Matt Crenshaw, even Austin Parkinson, who's now the head women's coach at IUPUI. Um, those are just some people who helped push me. And then my fiance is amazing. It's like, she trusts the process. Like, you know how you always, everybody, that's the new thing, yeah. like, trust the process. No, no she literally trusts the process and she makes it easy for us, uh, for me to, to you know, kind of live through those coaching dreams and, and get things done. And she takes care of the house and our son. So it's really my family uh, when it comes down to everything. You have a village of people, man. And, and I think you have a true testimony where you can share your experience with the young guys coming up. Um, right and, and give those kids their flowers like hey because you have these older people that when they hoop in this open gym they don't want to give the young brothers they flowers because they still right they didn't give they didn't get all the basketball out of them and then right. my guy like like i know what you're trying to be on but like give this young guy his flowers you know what i mean he's, he's trying to go division one or get that free education you still have this pride that you can't set aside Exactly. And that's how it was. Like, luckily, in my city, it's like, I come from a small town. It's Mansfield, Ohio. We're famously known for Shawshank Redemption was filmed there. And then other than that, like, if you ask anybody else in Ohio, if they heard of Mansfield, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's where the prisons are. Because everybody, if you get locked up, you probably come to Mansfield for a while for prison. But like everybody in my hometown is like, all right, we're going to take care of the next dude. Like we lived ours. We tried it. We gave it everything we got. And the next man is up. And, you know, there's so many guys who I could speak to that. Even when I spoke earlier with me having to move back home and that gap between college and going to play pro is a guy by the name of Leroy Mack, who can absolutely go. And every day he was at the gym every day. All right, let's go playing one-on-one, -on -one, helping me figure out things. He's always been a wing. I'm trying to develop to be a two uh, and ultimately end up having to play the one a few years too when I was overseas. But it was just those little things. Like, I, I think everybody needs that. And like you said, uh, as the older generation, we have to find a better way to give these guys the flowers, give them all the knowledge that you have early on um, because they don't know. There's so much resources out here now. Like you could really be anything you want or have the, yeah. the desire because it's on YouTube. YouTube right. free classroom. Yeah. And and I tell especially here in Gary, Indiana, in the urban community where there's a lot of poverty, like, dude, you don't have to be that statistic. There's so much opportunity here. You have Chicago that's 20 minutes away, and you will be surprised there's a lot of brothers and sisters that have never been to Chicago. And yeah. It's up the street here. Um, but I'm like, hey, with social media, we have a positive influence, you know, on the next generation. I think what you and I are doing is really huge. And, and we're blessed to, to really have a dope family in a village. Right, exactly. And, and it's like you said, and I know a little bit about the area, having some teammates from up there. And then one of my best friends, Gary Patterson, played at Bishop Knowles and from East Chicago. Okay. Uh, and he just tells me it's similar to where I grew up at. I mean, based off a of steel mill factory living. So I understand that mindset. The only difference is you guys are, like you said, 20 minutes from Chicago. 
So literally like it's so much right there next to you that you can look at. And I, I just, the village is so such a strong point. And I think in the African-American community, our village as well, I think is probably one of the strongest you'll see. Now we have to do a job of creating opportunities for each other. Um, oh, I, and that's, that's huge, I think. I 1,000% agree. Um, Coach Avery, I appreciate it again, bro. Like I said, I can't wait to have you on for part two. I appreciate Absolutely. you time out this morning and coming on the podcast and sharing your journey. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I definitely listen to it as much as I can. I think it's amazing. Uh, and everything that you're doing, and I know we're ready to go, but everything that you're doing in terms of um, interviewing our kids and getting them prepared, I think that's tremendous. Um, I, I, I think so many reporters I've run into in the past few years is like, man, this dude's 16 years old. Why are you asking him that? Right. Uh, help him out. Like, I don't think they do enough job. And with you, you make it so conversational and you bring it to that level. I mean, you did an incredible one with Tayshawn, uh, just talking about, you know, what are you listening to now? What do you, who do you study? It's like, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's incredible. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I love the outlet that you're providing for all of our kids. I think it's going to do nothing but making them more marketable. I appreciate you, brother. And, and like I said, man, we, we've all been down that path and we all been interviewed by different reporters and you like, do you ask me this controversial question? Like right. I can't even explain myself yet. And right. I, yeah, I get they have their own agenda, but in this era, you could be as organic and genuine and people will appreciate it. Exactly. It's so simple. I mean, don't, don't put the kid in the box just because you want to get a good interview. Like, don't do that. Right. Well, absolutely. So I appreciate it again, brother. And I can't wait to get this out so everyone can listen to it. Definitely. I appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend and everything. Man. Hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Coach Avery and myself. Um, him and I already miss AAU basketball, but we know we'll be here soon enough. I have some brief announcements for you guys. Um, for our 2021 our youth tryouts for gym rats will be having it Saturday, September 12th and Monday, September 14th. You can catch the full details under our social media on Twitter and Instagram. I will also have our website in the episode description. So just click on that link and also be sure to check out the visual to this episode under Indie Heat Gym Rats YouTube channel. I will have that in the episode description as well. And do not forget to hit subscribe and leave a review. Take care.